The Long Box Crusade presents Action Film Face Off. This episode, it's 1972 versus 1994. Two films enter, one film leaves. Two men enter! It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hit. Welcome to Action Film Face Off. This is a show where two random years are selected. My brother brings an action film from one of the random years. I bring an action film from the other random year. The two films do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion is crowned by the end of the episode. I'm Jared Alwicky Death Bro. My co-host is my brother Jason the Weasel Skull. We are both military combat veterans who take our combat seriously, but not too seriously. So we're going to have some fun on this one. On this episode, Jason, I believe we have a half-blind fire. I believe you and I both had never seen The Getaway. We picked it on faith. That is true. I'd never seen The Getaway. Uh, I was told it was good. Had an 82 or something in IMDb. So, you know, this seems like a safe bet. It didn't it? It did. It did. (laughs) So let's see how that panned out for Jason (laughs) as we move forward on tonight's episode we've both seen speed neither one of us had seen the getaway we'll uh we'll get back to that over to you jason yes indeed we're going to score each of today's films on a scale of one to ten in five categories what are those categories we're talking the story the overall spectacle the best action scene the hero and the villain and we're still not going to do it in that order we're going to see if you're paying attention Then there will be the deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason. And as we've done since episode 30, we've brought in a sniper for this episode. The sniper has just one point to give in each of the categories, so they can swing the scoring by a total of five points. Let us meet our sniper for this episode and welcome Cam Sully from the Jacked Up Review Show. Welcome, Cam. How do you do, guys? <laughs> We're uh, excited to have you here. How are things going at the Jacked Up Review Show? Are things still pretty jacked up? Uh, yes, we are trying to be as peppy and positive as we can, doing amusing franchise rankings and music band history and all other kinds of variety. But, oh, but to be on here, nice. uh, I, I got your six. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's good to know. Cam, you get to answer the question that everybody gets to answer when they mm-hmm. come here. Jason and I are judging you. <laughs> what are your top three action films? It happens to be one of the ones on here today. Speed. Okay. So you already know I'm biased, but I'm going to have to give it some extra leeway, some extra That's thought. Okay. I think Jason and I are biased too, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, oh no prisoners. Best hero ever. He died for nothing and he did a lot of good. So anyway, and then I'm tempted to go Hong Kong, but. I'm going with Die Hard. <laughs> nothing <laughs> the wrong The original, with the OG. Lawrence of Arabia is what we haven't had. Like that is a, epic that is a sprawling i i gotta find the right person to talk about that and even its pbs prequel with because like i was shattered when i found out roland emmerich wants to do a prequel miniseries to it i'm like why we literally see the beginning of the movie (laughs) that's true (laughs) i don't need to know anymore and you're not the kind of guy who pays attention to details but yeah 
I see a lot of people say it's boring. I drive my sister crazy. She thinks it's overdone. And I'm just like, hey, I'll fast forward for the intermission. But if this is on Turner Classic Movies, I'm sitting down. <laughs> Nothing matters for the rest of the day. I don't care if I got a, I randomly got signed up for a college class or I got to mow the line. I'm, I'm distracted. And it's the best kind. <laughs> I dig it. That's not a selection that we hear a lot or ever, but I've seen it and I respect it. So I mean, you would you can't look at any other war movie the same. Like they, they owe so much that anything from Indiana Jones to Last Samurai, they they look at these kinds of epics that shattered, literally shattered movie screens. <laughs> all right. Good choices all. But before our two films enter the video dome arena. Also, this is the first time I think someone's top three has been featured on the show. So that's an interesting angle. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know anyone who hates speed, but, you know, every once in a while, I will get see a few saying overhypes. I don't give a darn (laughs) about Keanu, you know, and it's like chill out, guys. I mean, they even did a reference to it in the latest John Wick. Like, that's how. It's a yeah, it's a good popcorn movie. We'll talk about it. But, but hey, we're talking Steve McQueen too, man. Speaking of the getaway and speed, before they uh, get going in our video dome arena, we've got to kick off this episode with special shout outs to our Crusaders mm-hmm. Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Helica Wolf, Auburn Elvis, Blast It or Stash It, Braxton Underwood, Quinton Robertson, Captain Entropy, Dave the Battle Wagon Collins, Battle Wagon, Isra Gallo, Gary V, Gerald Green, Jason Keane, Jason Lady, Jeremy L, Jim German, Jim Meal, Joe Thomas, John Watson, Josh Strickland, Candace Ward, Kathy Bright. Mark Ross, Maxwell Traver, Miranda W, P.D. Devins, Paul Hicks, Rick of Jeff and Rick Present, Rob Morgan, Ryan Daly, Smith Amini, Sean Urbanski, Spidey 67, Our Lovely Spreadsheet, Steve Cronin, Timmy, Tim Price, Tony Montana Pennington, and the Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance for release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get you squared away. And if you're asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Just go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as just one buck a month, you get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. All right, enough talking. Let's make sure you have exact change and let's get on this bus and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1972 and I blind fire selected, and I want to stress that, I blind fire selected the getaway. What did the randomizer select for you, Jason? Well, I got 1994 and there was really only one choice when I looked at the selections. I put into our video dome arena speed. Okay, we got us a matchup here, folks. So it's important to point out this isn't like Jared versus Jason, thank God. And we each had to select from our assigned year. So I might very well like his selection better than mine. I did. Or vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. We're going to do a little around the room on where we saw it. Speed. I had speed on my Plex server since the 
Dawn of Time, I think. And then the getaway I did not have. And I went ahead. I am holding the DVD right now. I ordered the DVD and went ahead and then added it to my Plex server. So that's how I did that. Jason, how did you watch these two films? Well, for speed, I just happenstance had to be out at a yard sale not too long ago and bought a box full of DVDs and speed was one of them. So I watched it there. And then for the getaway, I went on Amazon. I went on Amazon and rented it for $2.99 or something like that and watched it streaming. Nice. What about you, Cam? How'd you watch these? I've seen the getaway eons ago on Turner Classic Movies and Speed. I've seen a million times. It's currently, I think, on HBO Max. So, yeah. (laughs) I've seen it too many times to count. Okay. Time for your spoiler warning, folks. After this point of the show, we are going to spoil these films. If you haven't seen them, they're both, you know, pretty old. But, you know, if you want to bone up on them before you continue with our show, this is the place where you would pause. We're going to do a short musical number. And when we come back from said <laughs> number, the spoilers begin. Okay, welcome back. I'm going to jump in with some quick info on 1972's The Getaway. Carter McCoy, one to ten years sentence for armed robbery. First offense in the state of Texas. Wanted by the state of Ohio for assault with a deadly weapon and armed robbery. I think he got to you. At least I got to him. Hang you. Punch it, baby. I'm in a hurry, Benyon. You still don't get the picture, do you? And I've always heard what a smart-ass operator you was. That's a walk-in bank, man. A piece of cake. You don't have to be Dillinger for that one. What did I tell you? Isn't that game? It's all a game. starts Steve McQueen and Allie McGraw and it was directed by Sam Peckinpah and its synopsis goes a little something like this. Doc McCoy doesn't like prison life so his wife helps convince a crooked parole board member to approve McCoy's parole but McCoy has to do a bank heist for the smarmy official. The heist goes off not exactly as planned not great but it goes off. From there everybody betrays everybody and McCoy and his wife make a mad dash to Mexico to start a new life with the ill-gotten money. Your trivia goes something like this. The orange Volkswagen Beetle that Steve McQueen and Allie McGraw pass as they flee town after the bank heist is driven by James Garner. Yes, that James Garner. He'd been visiting a friend on the shoot, and he was hired for his vehicular skills, 
by the stunt coordinator. <laughs> so, yep, little James Garner <laughs> action there. I really hope you insert the Rockford Files theme song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't need to. Cam just he did a great job. <laughs> I did my own bizarre <laughs> my post. <laughs> All right, trivia item number two. Under his contract with First Artists, Steve McQueen had final cut on this film, and when Sam Peckinpah found out, he was upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> and according to Richard Bright, McQueen chose takes that made him look good, and Peckinpah felt the actor played it safe. He said, quote, he chose all those playboy shots of himself. <laughs> He's still playing it <laughs> safe with pretty boy shots. That's your hint that there was a little trouble behind the camera on this one, and that's going to lead nicely into interesting trivia number three. The film's original score was composed by frequent Sam Peckinpah collaborator Jerry Fielding, but it was replaced at Steve McQueen's assistance with the score by Quincy Jones. So basically Peckinpah McQueen didn't exactly jive well on this film. So uh, Jason, what do you got? All right. Well, thank you for that. Now I will give you the rundown on 1994 Speed. All right, pop quiz. Airport. Gunman with one hostage. He's using her for cover. He's almost to a plane. You're a hundred feet away. What do you think? Shoot the hostage. What? Go for the good wound and he can't get to the plane with her. Clear shot. You're deeply nuts, you know that? All right, gentlemen, what we have here are 13 passengers in an express elevator. Bomb's already taken out cables. Bomber wants $3 million or he blows the emergency brakes. Anything else that'll keep this elevator from falling? Basement. He can strike anywhere at any time. Will the mystery guest please sign in? Why are they messing with me? Do they think I'm doing this for fun? <laughs> for LA cop Jack Traven. Tell me again, Harry. Why did I take this job? Oh, come on, 30 more years of this, you get a tiny pension and a cheap gold watch. Cool. The game began. Very exciting, Jack. Some close calls, huh? When someone put the city of Los Angeles to the ultimate test. Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? Now. Are you insured? Yeah, why? He's the only solution. We just got a ransom demand from your terrorist. Says he's rigged the city bus. Where's Jack? Where do you think? Stay on or get off. Get off. This is much better. Everybody hold on! trigger aimed at your head what do you do what do you do speed get ready for rush hour the cast and crew included keanu reeves sandra bullock and dennis hopper it was directed by jan de bont 
Synopsis goes a little something like this. When top cop Jack Traven, that's right, Jack Traven, outwits super criminal Howard Payne's explosive hostage scheme, he makes himself the target in The Fiend's next plot. Payne has placed a bomb on a passenger bus that's rigged to blow if the bus drops below 50 miles per hour. Speed is life as Jack works against the clock to outwit Payne, while Annie, a passenger on the bus, takes the wheel and desperately tries to keep them moving. So here's my trivia. So Keanu Reeves and Jeff Daniels, they trained with SWAT team members to make their movements look realistic. SWAT! SWAT! SWAT or you're not. Sandra Bullock learned to drive a bus for the film, and she passed her license on her first attempt. And finally, the film ran out of money and had to show an animation on the storyboards for the subway scene during screening. But the audience still loved it so much, the producers coughed up more money to film it. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. It's time to mix it up. Before we do, just a reminder of match game. We have two films in five categories. Jason has not seen my scores. I have not seen his scores. We could match up to 10 times. So place your bets. How often are we going to match? And speaking of scores, (laughs) let's set your barometer. If we have it at a five, five is average. It's right in the middle. It means ah, something I'd see on a pretty good made for TV movie. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10. You're moving up into, into good stuff. Four, three, two, one, uh-oh, danger zone. <laughs> With that, let's get in a round one. Hasta la vista, baby. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is the story? We will start by looking at the getaway 1972. Your thoughts on the story? Cam. I, I definitely got to give more originality to this one. I, I know it's an older movie and we're going to have to deal with snobs who don't like as many older movies, but it almost takes like a Roger Corman approach. And then like Peckinpah does, he inserts a lot of the tropes he loved from classic black and white Westerns. And he just gives it a little more momentum. It's almost more kinetic than last I checked. I think John Woo was inspired by this one just because of how much gunplay is in this. <laughs> it does have a wooishness to it, which <laughs> wooishness is not a word I had on my bingo card for this episode. But <laughs> now that you mentioned yeah, it, pretty solid. All right, Jason, add to that, please, sir. I think the bones to a really compelling story were here. I like the plot. I'll be honest. I kind of missed it. Uh, some of the intricacies of the plot, like the reason why they were doing the bank heist until I, I talked with you, Jared, after the show. And then when I went back and looked at it, I was like, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. But I think the reason why I lost the thread of it was the pacing was so slow in places. And then there were some things that just seemed disjointed. It's almost like the script couldn't find itself in places. And so what I think could have really been a good heist movie, somehow it seemed to be tripping over its own feet in places, especially (laughs) in the first and second acts. Like the third act is pretty much all action, but the first and second act that's trying to set it up, I don't know, maybe you touched on it, with the facts that maybe there was so much tension and between the editing of the final cut between the director and the actor, I don't know what it was, but there was just something that was disjointed about it. And what could have really been a good heist movie 
I think got in its own way a little bit. Yeah, I've already hinted at it a little bit. I'm just going to come clean with our listeners. This is episode <laughs> 56 of the show, so we've looked at 112 movies so far. I'm going to be brutally honest and say this is my least favorite movie that we've watched. <laughs> we did. We, we did Alan Quartermain and the Kingdom and, of Skulls. And we did Alan Quartermain and the Kingdom of the Skulls, I will remind everybody. But, like, <laughs> I found this movie's story especially to just be mean-spirited and unnecessarily cruel. You know, I, I, I don't mind watching, like, Jason Voorhees chop up a bunch of a-hole teenagers in the woods for some reason, but, like, this movie just... It, it, too gritty for its own good. Uh, yeah, may, yeah. You may be right. Maybe too gritty for its own good, because I, I got to a point in the movie where I literally was like, I just don't even really want to finish it. I was like, I got I a podcast about it. But, you know, you know how we do here on the Long Box Crusade Network. Our motto is everything is somebody's favorite thing, so treat, treat it as yeah. such. <laughs> and so I'm going to be looking for the good in this movie tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So I, I just want to clear the decks up front to say I just it didn't hit me right. I didn't particularly like I thought it was a little too mean spirit, maybe too gritty, like Cam just said. It just wasn't for me. But but like Jason said, you know, the idea of the story wasn't bad. It just I think Peck and Paul was old and drunk and, <laughs> and grumpy. He was and mad grumpy. about something. something. And I know it's based on the book, so maybe the book's grumpy. I don't know. But, yeah, that's a good uh, contrast. I'm not trying to interrupt. It, it does kind of almost remind me of w- during the making of 48 Hours where Walter Hill wanted seriousness, but the screenwriter wanted Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte to have a little more funny charisma and chemistry together. And so it is funny. It does kind of almost feel like too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, you know, and sometimes, I mean, what do we remember? 40, we're not talking about 48 Hours, but we remember it for the chemistry between those two characters. Exactly. So Otherwise, it's a generic it cop movie. <laughs> and Walter Hill was the writer on this movie. Yeah. So there's definitely a connection there. Anyway, I want to clear the decks again with our listeners. If you're out there listening, you're like, man, I'm really excited about The Getaway. It's my favorite film. I will have decent things to say about it. I just want to let you guys know. I just, it just there's wasn't time. for me. It wasn't <laughs> for me. If it was for you, that's okay. But we will talk about, clearly, several more things about it. Uh, with that deck cleared, let's get into speed and get back to Cam. What do you think about the story and speed? Lock and load. Okay, so. <laughs> he's, he's fired up. Okay, so there has been, just if you've studied earlier 70s movies, there's were plenty of other, you know, disaster films and Mad Bomber movies. This was basically, I wouldn't say its story's original, but its style is original, if that makes sense. Totally does. Okay. Because the story is so stylized and we like the characters and you have a scene sailing villain, like the story just is the better of the two, because then... It's kind of like how every other procedural wanted to be like the other or every other gangster show wants to be like Sopranos or Breaking Bad. It's so hard to come up with your own identity that at the end of the day, you're still a blender. You're still a milkshake grounded up from previous rivals that you're trying to ape the style of and same thing here. You know, this one also gets originality because it's part of the Val Verde universe. I'm not making that up. Yes. The Pacific Union trucks are the same trucks used in Die Hard and Die Hard is part of Valverde, which is in Commando, Predator, Alien, and the Blade Runner universe, which is part of Alien. So because <laughs> I've heard this theory of, before too. It's, it's not weird. a theory when it's confirmed by the studios, Joe Silver <laughs> and Fox and Steven <laughs> D'Souza. So because it's part of the best franchise ever, it gets some extra, extra points. Uh, I like it. I like it. Jason and I have definitely said on the show about movies that are simple 
but well executed. And I think we were really looking down the barrel of one of that. But you know what? I don't put words in Jason's mouth. It's Jason. <laughs> I think if I had to sum this up in a word, I'd say gimmick. <laughs> but I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. <laughs> yes. Because basically it is. It's a, It's just a hostage. It's another, you know, taking a Pelham 123 or any of the other hostage type films that we've seen. And and taking a Pelham 123 is a great film, by the way. So as <laughs> we know, we've featured it on, on this show. The OG. <laughs> but. This one with the, you can't let the bus drop below 55 miles an hour and all of the obstacles they put in the way of that. They took a simple gimmick and they milked it into an entire movie. And I give them mad props for that. Also, it really blends Los Angeles. It brings Los Angeles into the film in a way that makes it almost part of the character. The branches out. The airport. I've already seen the airport. All these, <laughs> all these scenes really help propel the the story along. I think the last act. I was kind of out of gas. No pun intended. I could have. I, I could have probably done away with that subway scene because at this point I was just. We just need a plane now to have planes, trains, and automobiles, right? <laughs> so, but having said that, it's a heck of a fun movie. I watched it. With my son, who hadn't seen it since he was real, real little, and you know now he's a cynical, you know Gen Y dirtbag. And no, I'm just kidding. If you're listening, to this, Greg, <laughs> I love you. You know he said I had fun watching it. It still holds up in his mind. So I'll let the next generation speak. It's got legs. I largely agree with the both of you. Uh, I definitely put me in mind of we've covered the movie Bullet Train from Japan on this uh, podcast, and if you remember, that was one of the things. If the train slowed down. To a certain speed, it was going to blow up. So, like, we've seen the gimmick. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about Bullet Train. How could you forget? <laughs> yeah. So, like, we've seen the gimmick, but it was definitely polished here. Wholeheartedly agree with you, Jason. I, upon rewatching it, and since I was very candid on the last one, I'll be candid here too. When we got speed, I was kind of like, oh man, because I'd only seen it like on VHS in the 90s, like when it was new. And I didn't really like it. I was like, I didn't have a good fond memory of it. And this rewatch, I was like, no, this movie's pretty good. <laughs> so, it definitely is the comeback film for me. But yeah, that that whole last thing with the subway, I could have done without it. Like, in my opinion, once the bus blew up, you need to wrap that movie up in about four or five minutes. <laughs> my storytelling fix to that is I don't know that I necessarily would have killed Jeff Daniels' character. I would have let him be the behind the scenes guy that's busting Dennis Hopper while Keanu is saving the bus. So <laughs> that's how I would have done it and wrapped it up kind of tight. It did have that same feeling I had when we watched Casino Royale, the 2006 Bond film. It has that ending, and then there's like another 20 minutes. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, okay. And the subway stuff was fun to watch. It was. It just it felt tacked on, mm-hmm. and that's my only real knock on it. But, yeah, it's just really fun popcorn movie, you know, summertime. Blockbuster, you sit down, you pop a bag of popcorn, you enjoy it. I think at the end of the day, I would have tried to figure out a way where Dennis Hopper was killed by the bus. <laughs> That's how I would have wanted. Hoisted would, by his own bus tar. Yeah, by his own bus tard. Yeah. <laughs> you stock footage from tard, Red you know. Heat and every other cheesy cartoon movie. I think Red Heat was also Walter Hill. <laughs> yes, it was. But <laughs> he's everywhere. But the, I just get a kick out of it because, like, a bunch of directed video movies in the nineties and two thousands would keep using stock footage of that, and sometimes they'd make it look like they'd reverse the shot and make it look like two buses are 
smashing into each other. <laughs> oh, I know too much. Sorry. That's all right. I know the scene you're talking about. All right. Now we have to score these films. Jason, I look to you, sir. I looked to 1972, the getaway on a scale of one to 10. What do you got, Jason? I almost gave it a five, but after I talked with you and you explained to me the plot, I was like, okay, that's kind of clever. So I gave it a six. Well, I stuck it a five. So <laughs> I have it at a, a good made for TV movie. I think if it was less mean spirited, it would have gone up for me. And again, that's just through my eyes. I was on IMDb. I saw people giving this movie nines and tens. And if that's your <laughs> thing, then that's just fine. It's just, it's just weighed a little too heavily on my soul for me to break a five on it. Uh, let's go to speed, Jason, one to 10. Well, I gave it a six as well. You know, I had to ask, is this a good a plot? Is a view to a kill? Heck no, it's not as good as a plot. But the gimmick works, so I'm going to give it a six. I landed the same as well. I think it was a cut above the plot for a made-for-TV movie. It, like I said, it's not grandiose, but it's really polished in how it's well done, so we'll see. I think better scores as we get down and into the further rounds. But match game, we both have it as a six. At this point, I have to look at Cam and say, Cam, you have one point to give. What movie do you think had a better story, The Getaway or Speed? Hate to be the contrarian, but Steve McQueen makes it out alive on this one. Yeah, I counted him out. Honestly, I was like, there's no way he's living. <laughs> because way. so emotional, because so disturbing. It's basically like, what, what do you want to go with? The award-winning movie or the stupid popcorn movie that's cheesy and you're going to watch five different times on HBO? It's like, well, the plot's better there. It's just not our personal preference. I just got to give Walter Hill some credit because it was his blueprint for the rest of his career. So. Fair enough. You know, and I will admit one of the things I liked about this movie was the last five minutes when Slim Pickens shows up, like he's so charming to like, that was a relief for me. Like after that heavy movie, I was like, Oh, this guy's funny and he's charming and I like him. So it did have that like a little bit of a, a bump at the end, a bump up, if you will. Anyways, thank you, Cam. And that is the end of round one. I guess that makes it my turn, and I've got round two, and round two is the hero. We're going to talk about how compelling the heroes are for our two films, and we're going to go ahead and start with Cam again and see what his thoughts are <laughs> on Steve McQueen and uh, and others. Well, is he a hero? Well, we'll let Cam talk about it in the getaway. Uh, okay, so there's some interesting detail, but like you guys specified before, now that I have that information, that actually makes better sense to me. This is a peck and paw character, but because McQueen has kind of curb stomped it, it just feels <laughs> like he's playing himself as opposed to someone cool like in Bullet. So eh, I got to take points off on the hero in this, which goes to the earlier point on the mean spiritedness. It just doesn't feel like he's as interesting as the script wants. That's interesting, Cam. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same way, and I was curious where your uh, conversation was going to take us. So. <laughs> I feel a little validated. I'm maybe, twisting you around. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I feel like we're kind of seeing eye to eye here, but it's not my category. It's Jared's. So go ahead. <laughs> I largely agree with Cam. My biggest beef in the hero category is I didn't see a hero in this movie. That, that, <laughs> there was not a character in here that I found particularly likable. That made me feel bad. Because it's just like Cam says, it's like it's Steve McQueen and he's cool <laughs> and he's fun to watch. Great escape, Steve McQueen, where he was the only guy good enough to ride a motorcycle to chase himself on film. Right? So, <laughs> so, like, I love the guy, but this just felt, again, there's no character that I truly rooted for. Nobody's really good. It really lost 
points for me, Jason. When on two occasions, I realize why this dude is in jail. He is not good at being a bank heist guy. No. Maybe three occasions. First one was when he was, the heist was done. He and his wife were in the car. He's driving away. The kids are crossing. He's like, oh, we got to get out of here. We got to get, he's like all amped up. He starts driving like a moron up on the sidewalks and he takes out a dude's porch and like it's he's running into everything and i'm like how are you a professional you've already got the money you've already stolen the best thing you can do now is just be calm and cool and act like everything's fine i i I don't know why he did that like it was like he was trying to beat that bomb but that bomb was just for show anyway it wasn't a super dangerous bomb it was just a diversionary it was weird i was like you are not a good getaway driver and then he goes and he shoots the guy who tried to shoot him like the betrayal part at the barn and he's like, I'm going to make sure this guy's dead. So I'm going to shoot him from 40 yards away and just assume I got him. I'm like, you are just not a professional at, at any turn here. No. So th- those moments really worked against like if he was a sharper, more professional thief, I might have liked him a little more. But I don't know. It's just they didn't sell me on it. I, I think we're really seeing going back to what we talked about earlier and then Cam commented on too. I think we're really seeing a lot of that. Peck and Paul versus McQueen rather than Peck and Paul working with McQueen. <laughs> Do you think Peck and Paul wrote that garbage truck scene just to put McQueen in the back of a garbage yes. truck? <laughs> Knowing how cynical he is. In the back of that truck. Uh-huh. I'm just pack it full of garbage. They're like dirty diapers in here. I don't think it was as cruel <laughs> as, say, maybe how Hitchcock was to his actresses, but it's definitely the same kind of just, well, if I can't have my way, then I'm just going to make your life hell. <laughs> yeah, get in, the, get in the dumpster, McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> all right well it doesn't sound like we had a lot of love for steve mcqueen and we've got a, love for, a lot of love for steve mcqueen overall in action film face off but this one we have some questions steve we have some questions but what about keanu reeves and jeff daniels and others in speed cam give me your thoughts i want to see the return of jack traven one of the best jacks of film before we had jack bauer and <laughs> All these other guys like Jack is just like just too cool for school. You like how he's a hothead without being a jerk or just overstepping. And you like how he knows how to get his hands dirty. He's kind of Captain Kirk, but more of a slim jam. He's just going around and he's finding ways to break the rules without actually breaking the law. (laughs) Yeah, he did show a whole lot of resourcefulness. A lot of cocky arrogance that kind of you kind of lost some of it along the way though in a couple of places. But I'll I'll shut up and let Jared take it from here. Yeah, he was definitely likable. And I, if I think back on why I didn't like it back when I watched it on VHS in like 94, 95 time frame, it was probably because I probably still had the anti-Keanu bias. I think I still <laughs> saw him as Ted. You know, I was like, shut up, Ted. You're not an action hero. But now I've run him through the Matrix filter and the John Wick filter. And I'm like, okay, let's take another look. I was being judgmental back then. And yeah, he was charming. He was kind of bend the rules, but still a professional. I really liked the way he handled the people on the bus. Mm -hmm. They needed him to be a source of calm. And he was good at that. And I really appreciated that about his character. So yeah, I've got some, I got some love for Keanu that I have to repair a broken relationship with him. (laughs) He's just Ted back in the day. (laughs) Well, we also did Point Break not too terribly long ago. So (laughs) you know, at least you you didn't do the remake uh, Pointless. Uh, Nobody Uh, saw that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll wait till maybe that comes up. Oh no. 
Uh, <laughs> we'll see. All right. Well, I believe we've gone through all the discussion. Nothing left to do but to score them. So, Jared, what score did you give Mr. McQueen for Doc in the getaway? Jason, this hurts me to say it. <laughs> but I gave him a four. I liked him less than I've liked made for TV action heroes in this. So I gave him a four. I'm not happy about it. I do like me some Steve McQueen. He doesn't deserve a four, but uh, somehow he got one. <laughs> so I gave him a four. Wow, that is harsh. I thought I was being harsh at a five. I asked myself, would I rather watch Steve McQueen in The Getaway or David Hasselhoff in the Knight Rider movie premiere when it came out? And I was like, I got to watch that Hoff, man. The kid. <laughs> you know, so. So I gave him a five. I put him in the in the made for TV category. All right. Well, didn't set the bar too high for Keanu. <laughs> What'd you give Keanu Reeves in speed? Yeah, this is where I repair a broken relationship because 1994, <laughs> 95, Jared would have said, Oh, he's a four, you know. But I gave him a seven. I thought he was he was good. You know, he's not John Wick yet. He's not neo yet but he's on his way and i give it a seven (laughs) yeah i think 94 keanu reeves was like about the same level as old ass roger moore and a view to a kill so i gave him a seven as well i thought and it was also kind of cool because we're just coming out of those 80s with the big muscles the schwarzenegger stallone action hero so we got a little leaner trimmed down action hero and keanu and we didn't know it at the time, but we we're looking at an action legend in the making. So mm-hmm. really interesting to see him at the beginning of his career. Seven for me as well. Match game. <laughs> That's right. Match game. Well, Cam, it's up to you. You've got a bullet. Who's it going to? <laughs> so because once again, as you've all outlined, there's a lot for Reeves to do. There's not enough for McQueen. who was basically the smooth Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson of his era to do. But more importantly, Jason and Jared also heavily hinted there's a lot for the other characters to do. We haven't even gotten to Sandra Bullock, but she... Good point. You know, there's nothing for the female lead to do in that kind of way. There's lots to rest on Miss Bullock's shoulders. And Good she point. has wonderful charisma, so she evens this out. <laughs> oh, that's a fair point. Really fair point. We didn't talk about Jeff Daniels either. Yeah, yeah. he's got some great lines. Or the too. guy that worked at Cyberdyne Systems, who somehow. Yeah, he shows yeah, up. Yeah, Joe Morden, man, <laughs> best boss ever. <laughs> so uh, you are officially giving your bonus point to Speed, correct, Cam? Yes, sir. I assume so. I just want to make I'm sure sorry. the paperwork <laughs> is in order. I'm just playing around. Sorry. I'm uh, just making sure the paperwork is in order. <laughs> Laurel's a stickler about that. We got to make Last sure. Last chance to file it. your taxes. Got to dot all the I's, cross all the T's, and I'm going <laughs> to hand it over to Jared to talk about round three. You could ask yourself a question Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? All right, Jason, round three, as you know, is the villain. How menacing and or entertaining is your villain? And you get to go first this time, Jason. The Getaway, 1972. I mean, like everybody, I guess, in some way, former fashion is a villain in this movie, with the notable exception of Slim Pickens. But what do you think, Jason? This one was tough for me because there were some villains that I liked and found compelling, like the politician and his brother. I thought his brother was really compelling, too, who was kind of the fixer of the group. Mm-hmm. And I liked that kind of evil chemistry 
and just the smarminess. That scene when they're on the boat on the river walk and he's just eating his lunch while he's talking about robbing a bank and killing people and all this stuff. I was like, okay, th- these guys are kind of interesting. Then they introduced Rudy. And Rudy didn't need to be in that film. Uh, that whole scene with the vet and his wife, that was just gratuitous and gross. And had mm-hmm. no redeeming value and brought nothing nothing to the story. So I'm kind of, mm, I'm on the horns of a dilemma, as they say. We've got some villains that had potential and some villains that sucked up screen time. And this is no slight on the acting of the actor who played Rudy, whose name escapes me right now, but there was no point for the character. (laughs) I concur. (laughs) I thought he was gross. (laughs) <laughs> Everything around that whole veterinarian and his wife was, was too slim. <laughs> the, pick, the pickings was too slim. <laughs> All right, Cam, what do you think about the villainy of the getaway? I'm totally with you guys. Uh, just after a while, the actors are really giving it. They're really trying to add a face to all these otherwise faceless crooks and traitors. But ultimately, there's because there's too much time spent on the hero and not enough time on their dilemma and their betrayal it feels underdeveloped on either viewing i've seen and so yeah i can't give it to it <laughs> dennis hopper now <laughs> <laughs> wait for it <laughs> yeah I, i'd have to agree with you and with that we're gonna go to 1994 and speed jason dennis hopper slightly more likable <laughs> <laughs> well i wouldn't say likable but no. as a villain just oh. definitely more enjoyable <laughs> Yeah, I, you gotta love a guy who like is really pleased with himself. <laughs> this guy, daddy, yeah, this guy loves him some him. <laughs> <laughs> he came, he wanted his. What did he get? Third, like what did he ask for? Thirty million, I believe it was mm-hmm. for those hostages. He didn't get that thirty million. The don't mess with daddy line drops all the hostages. He's supremely confident even when his plan has just been totally bamboozled. He has like a secret layer with mannequins. He has like cop uniforms and stuff in the background. You know, it's just not to like, oh, and he just hates Jack. And, you know, I don't even think it was about the money so much with the bus. He just was like, you need to get on that bus, you son of a buck. Just get on there. Yeah. I I think if I uh, just had something slightly negative to say is like, I wish there would have been more like, what's the backstory? How did he lose his finger? And what was his motivation for doing, doing all this? I felt like we were lacking that a little bit. And maybe I could have done without that subway scene at the end for maybe a little more exposition on Dennis Hopper, but that's just me. I'll shut up now. Cam, I think you've got good things to say about Dennis Hopper in this film. So say them. Like you say, he didn't need to actually confront the hero. It's just kind of a trope that they fell into. But for uh, most of the time, it's just so cool to see this veteran actor go from, you know, he played so many henchmen and best friends and then, you know, weirdos and even more disturbing roles. And to see him kind of dial it back while still being intense is just a lot of fun. It's not Hans Gruber and Die Hard, but it's still a pretty reasonable follow-up because, like you say, it's just so cool seeing... Him just kind of, like you say, the money's just to make a point for him being fired. I like how they don't focus on it too much. We fill in the blanks without it feeling underdeveloped. 
and they just get right to it. You know, like his day to day, we actually get to see his villainy lair. It's just his private house, you know, and he's eating lunch while looking at his various cameras. He's got set up everywhere. You know, it's just so much fun to follow this villain. And like you say, unlike the getaway, it's not like there where you're just like, okay, that's gross, but that feels like it's there just to be gross. Not, move the story along because it was planned. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Dennis Hopper, dude, he done good, but now we got to put some numbers to this, Jason. And I think this is where things are going to get interesting. So let's go to the villainy round of uh, the getaway and on a scale of one to 10. What do you got, Jason? I would a little higher than I did with Steve McQueen. And I gave it a six because I thought the brother and the politician were compelling. And it could have been much higher <laughs> if they would have done more with those characters and not get gotten in their own way. So six for me. Oh, this was so tough for me, Jason, because I just didn't like Rudy, especially. I didn't like the politician. I didn't like Rudy, especially. And in a sense, I felt like I should maybe give him more of a score because the actor was ma- made me hate him so much. <laughs> but in the end of the day, I was like, I just don't like any of them. <laughs> Brace yourself, Jason. Hold on to something. I gave the villainy of this movie a two. <laughs> I, I just I don't even want to see it in my made-for-TV movies. Wow. <laughs> a two. Okay, now you promised the listeners that you'd have something good. We have to two more rounds. We <laughs> 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 have two more rounds. Like I just it's stomach turning or stomach churning, whatever the right phrase is. And again, like that speaks well of the actor who played Rudy. Like he did his dang job, but just I ugh. He, Hans Gruber, he is not, sir. <laughs> He's a far cry. I've met Hans Gruber, and you, sir, are no Hans Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's go to speed, Jason. Uh, we have fond things to say about Dennis Hopper in this, and I'm interested to see as we both gave Keanu a seven. I'm interested to see if this is one of those movies where you think the villain's a little bit slightly more interesting than the hero or on par. What do you got? We've talked about Keanu before, and we've talked about how he has some limitations as an actor, shall we say. Like, his range isn't the greatest. And I think he would admit that. And I think the thing that is special about Keanu Reeves is he doesn't have the ego to deny that fact and try to do something like it Steve McQueen did in the film that we're up against. He allowed himself to be surrounded and sometimes carried by superior actors like Jeff Daniels and Dennis Hopper. And although really Dennis Hopper and Keanu didn't interact too much in the film, they weren't on the screen a lot of times together. Whenever Dennis Hopper was there, he brought out more of Keanu and just having Dennis Hopper in the film smooths over a lot of Keanu's acting. I hate to say shortcomings because he, he's a good solid actor, but you know, like he just doesn't quite have that range that the a Jeff Daniels and a Dennis Hopper have. So having said all that eight for Dennis Hopper <laughs> m- 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 match game. I also gave him a one point above our hero because like you said, he elevates Keanu. Keanu's a smart enough actor to allow himself to be elevated. That's what you said. And I agree. And it's freaking Dennis Hopper, man. Dude's been around forever playing <laughs> interesting characters, and he doesn't phone it in. This is the back end of his career. He started in Westerns in like the 60s or whatever, mm-hmm. and he still just 
putting his all into it. I love to see it. So yeah, match game at an eight. Okay, Mr. Sniper's Bullet, do you like Dennis Hopper or do you like Smarmy McSmarmface from oh, yeah. The Getaway? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do I like Nameless Villain or Howard Payne? I like Howard Payne. <laughs> <laughs> I figured as much, but you get your say. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> All right, uh, with that, I'm done with round three. I was taking shrapnel and caisson while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face. All right. That brings to back to me for round four. And round four is one of my favorite rounds, the spectacle round. It's what makes these movies, these action movies. We're talking about the action scenes, the stunts, the gunfights, the explosions, pyrotechnics, the music, the cinematography, all that stuff. Throw it in a blender. It comes out beautiful. Or maybe not so good. Uh, <laughs> Well, we're going to start with the getaway, and I'm going to start with you this time, Jared, and see what are your thoughts on the spectacle of the getaway. I promise you I'd have better things to say, and here's a round that I can say them. Peckinpah knows how to frame a shot. There were several shots in the film that are fairly banal and benign, but they're so well-framed and composed. I'm like, this guy, he's a pro. He's a pro. He knows how to aim the camera. He knows what to put in the foreground, the background. He knows what colors to use. Everything looks pretty nice. Now, I don't know anything about that score that got replaced, how good it was, but it's Quincy Jones, man, it's 1972, so, I mean, the score was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I, I don't know if it was an improvement, if it was a downgrade, I don't know, but it was good. I thought it was good. So, I liked the music. I liked the shots. I liked the little personal bias here, having lived in San Antonio. It was neat to see the river walk and you know things yeah. i recognized mm-hmm. I so I, I, I liked its setting yeah visually and um score wise you know musical score wise i really thought they did a really good job so it's the scores are going up here scores are going up. <laughs> well they can't go much further down jared <laughs> so Man. so i'm good to good to hear they're trending in the right direction but let's hear what cam has to say uh, yeah I'm with Jared. It is. It's just so cool to see these kind of practical stunts in today's world, let alone just how they did it back then. And there are some eye-catching views. I think we're just distracted because the plot's just not as strong to support it. But it is just still kudos to the cinematographer. And and while you were sharing some trivia on how the editing was a little hectic, there's bloopers that look like they were filmed before the next scene. It's still uh, just blown away by this natural lighting. That's yeah, true. The films just don't look like this anymore. It's all CGI blue screen. No, I was going to say the same thing. I I really appreciated the practical effects and the natural lighting, just the 70s feel of this film. The shotgun blasting like real shotgun blasts, and everybody knows when you see a shotgun pop out in a peckham buff, it's time to wake up. Something's going to happen. Wild bunch mm-hmm. time, baby. All right. Well, let's move on over to Speed. And Jared, we'll pitch it back to you and tell me what you think about the spectacle there. Very strong. It's it's really built around spectacle. Although, as I watched it, that's what my brain told me. This movie is built around spectacle. And it has some, but it's really built more around tension. It's more tense than it is bang, bang. Oh, look at that. You know, it's it's more of that thriller vibe. And I, I fold that into spectacle. Like the you, you filmmakers made me feel tension which I thought was good. Some of the spectacle, let's talk about the bus jump. Okay. <laughs> the bus jump. It just, there were so many little things they could have done to make that more believable. Like, I just really wish they could have established that 
their launching point was higher than their landing point. They don't have a lot easier to believe, but the way it shot, it looked like they were made equal or whatever. Like, there's no way that's going to cover that distance of equal. If it was going from up to down, it would, anyways, I could nitpick a little bit, but it doesn't matter because it's still going to get a good score because it built tension. Things looked good. This was still pre CGI. So there's a lot of practical going on here. And yeah, no real complaints. I don't think it's like, you know, huge uh, you know, Terminator 2 level, but I think it's very good. Ouch. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the best thing I got to admit when Drake watched it, he was like, I don't think it, physics works that way. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I, probably I don't know how you pull it off, though. <laughs> I kind of thought, well, maybe if they like had enough lead time and you could have a scene where the chase car that had all the cops on it like speeds ahead and there's like materials there where they can make a ramp or something, jury rig a ramp that you get Dukes of Hazard something. something. (laughs) I will say though, if it goes back to your tension comment, for me, the thing I remember most was that bus jump from my scene at the theater all those years ago. But what really grabbed me this time was the tension before the jump when they were like crying and nobody thought they were going to make it. And then when he, they do unhandcuffed that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's like, like not, you know, good luck. Not, if we're going to die, you're not going to be die handcuffed, you know, you know, so there was a whole lot of heart to that, that I didn't really appreciate till I saw this movie. I'm taking cam's turn. So I'm going to shut up and pass. No, it it's fine. It's fine. I have no issues with the bus jump. I get that. This is after T2 and it's got a long way to go, but I know what you mean. If you're looking at it today's standards and you let the scientific moments in your brain, you're, you're going to have a tough time with it. I, <laughs> I just, to quote Roger Ebert, I do like how it goes by fast, so you don't really have as much time to think about it. But yes, it can be kind of like some of our other martial arts movies. Like There are certain movies that I've seen so many times that people for years would say you can clearly see their stun doubles or what have you, or the actor reacting before the explosion goes off, but you don't notice it until you've seen it again a dozen different times. Despite the bus jump, like you say, there is a lot of heart in the characters and you still feel for them. So it does that better. And I feel like it just that makes up for any implausibility that otherwise comes from this. But that's fair. At the same time, like you say, as much as we like all these practical stunts and everything, just the swift editing, the wonderful score by Mark Mancina. I have the expanded one from La La Land Records. And nice. Like you say, the director who's even been on the record saying he dialed Keanu back a bit. He was very method at that time. And he was like, no, 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 no. This is a blockbuster movie. This is not Serpico. Chill. (laughs) (laughs) It's just cool to see, like I say, all the cast actually feels like they got chemistry together instead of just reading lines off a teleprompter while pretending to drive. And you're not even sure what's a real set because they're using a practical you know, thing and having cameras fall around. So because of the, the money shows on screen, you also kind of forget about that too. You're just like, I feel like I'm watching a movie, but I also feel like there's so much detail that any issue, like you say, the train scene does, isn't needed, but I think it's just so it can be diehard everywhere. It's diehard in an elevator at the start, then it's diehard on a bus for most, then it's diehard on a train in the last 20 minutes. So we've already been over this. We had multiple villains and most of it caused confusion in the other movie. And this one villain has enough mystery to him mm-hmm. and playfulness and any overacting. You know, it's part of the spectacle in a good yeah, way. part of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we've all got some, some love for the spectacle of this film. 
let's stop talking about it and let's start scoring it. All right, Jerry, we got to go back to 1972, back to the getaway, and you're going to give it a score of? Jason, we've moved beyond made-for-TV status in this round, and I'm going to give it a six. And the only reason I didn't bump it up even to a seven is because what you mentioned earlier on the show, there are some boring parts that drag on. <laughs> and I'm just like, can we move on, please? Still well shot, well scored. So it's getting a solid six and a little smile on my face for the first time around the getaway. Because the spectacle was not gross. <laughs> no, not gross at all. And in fact, it's our match game because I gave it a six. Really liked the action in that third act. Thought it was really good. Like the practical effects of the car chases, the shotgun battles in the hotel, I thought was really cool. But on the other end of the spectrum, I felt like I did hard time with Steve McQueen with old Doc in there. <laughs> I watched him work a loom for like 30 minutes, it seemed like. I would have paroled him just so I could get out of there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate. All right, let's move it over to speed. What did you give the spectacle for speed? I gave speed, much like I would to a few to a kill from 1985, <laughs> I gave it a seven, like a solid seven, like a very likable summer blockbuster seven. So yeah, it's not seven with a frowny face, it's seven with a smiley face. Uh, it does a lot of things right, and I enjoyed it. I agree. Yep, and another match game. I gave it a seven as well. I thought about it. Yep, it's about a view to a kill level spectacle. You know, there's some stuff in there I really like, some stuff that works better than others. End scene, like we talked about, might have gone on a bit too long, but overall, lots of fun, well above par, seven for me. <laughs> and that just leaves the sniper who's got a bullet that's going to go to Cam. Take it from here. Oh, man, so hard. As much as those shotgun blasts are amazing, as much as I would like to see more gunplay and speed, just seeing the SWAT team marching at the beginning of speed just takes the escape. That's all I ask for a movie. There's nothing worse when you see today's blockbusters and you see 20 minutes and it's got nothing to do with everything else. Fair enough. That is fair. And I'm going to pass it over to Jared for round. Where are we on? Five. Round five. Yeah, which scene. you're going to. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> four, five. Back to me in a minute. Yes. Let's get it around five. Prepare to meet Kali in hell. Round five is best action scene. I'm going to pass it back to Jason. Jason, would you lay out the action scenes that you identified from the getaway? Yeah, hold on a second. Let me get my notes. Here they come. Uh, and I will remind you that working a loom is not an action scene. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, then I got three. <laughs> Was it called prison time is looming over me? <laughs> yeah. All right. So basically, I really only had three that I'm I, surprised. I thought there was going to be two. <laughs> so hit me with what you got. I did the bank robbery and the sub. Fair enough. I don't get think away I there. I called that one just like we drew it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, man. The guard's gun was still by his hand. Like Drake and I were both yelling at the screen. Get him gun. <laughs> Don't drive onto the guy's porch. Make sure that dude is dead. You guys suck at this. <laughs> Holy cow. So many things went wrong. Anyway, action scene number two. I called that one kind of escape from the law. And that was when they're running around town and he's got to get her from being arrested. Then they go and try to get like a milkshake at a drive-in and they end up getting chased by the cops. 
I just called that one Escape the Law, or I didn't even get to drink my shake. <laughs> oh, I guess. <laughs> and finally, number three, the hotel shootout. And I called that one, I see a security deposit in this hotel's future. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting that one back. <laughs> <You're> not, <yeah. laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. Going around, what was your favorite action scene of those three? Or if you had a different one, Cam, you can pick that. I think we're all I'm picking the hotel. I'm pretty with you guys. The, the hotel's pretty hotel. exciting. Okay, just the run down the stairs and just... Nowadays, that would be a total tracking kind of shot. Or you'd have over-editing or just deliberate confusion. But that confuses the audience here. Is like just a clean McQueen swoop right mm-hmm. where the stairway is. Oh, yeah. I'm... Totally with you, by the way, a hotel scene. Jason, you're going to make it three for three on hotel scene? Oh, yeah, no doubt. That was the piece de resistance. Yeah. From that moment on, I kind of liked the movie because it was, we had the action and then we got Slim Pickens and then that was so, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So we all liked hotel scene. Back to Jason, lay out the action scenes. This, I thought this would be interesting because it's kind of, it's speed. It's like kind of one long (laughs) action (laughs) scene, but I want you to see how you break it up. I've got. Five. I kind of broke it up into five moments. The first is the opening, the whole elevator scene. And I called that one Cable Guy. Yeah. I got to workshop some of these, admittedly. Number two is when he gets on the bus, and I'm including, you know, the get on the bus, having to drive around all the folks while tending to the wounded guy. Um, running on the shoulder and all that stuff. So to this one, I did it to the tune of uh, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Remember that song? So I was like, Mm -hmm. find a car to Jack. Jack, I've been shot, damn, said Sam. Behind the wheels, my fanny, said Annie. Gotta get myself free. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) There you go. That was my favorite one. I'll workshop it tomorrow. Then there's the bridge jump. I think the bridge jump really deserves its own action scene that's one i remembered if you want to make the bridge jump even better as soon as it gets into midair pause it and go now i know what you're thinking <laughs> it's a duke's a hazard joke for people who are old enough to get that jack Travern. <laughs> you've seen our boy jack in this situation before <laughs> i called the bridge jump what's the rule on defecating on the bus because i just broke it <laughs> <laughs> I pooped on the bus. I pooped on the bus. I thought you said it was PG. Defecating. <laughs> okay. All right. Number four. Basically, everything that happens on the runway, when he gets to the runway, and the big scene for me is when he goes under the bus. Right. I just called that one throwing Jack under the bus. Nah. Clearly. Good call. And then finally, the last one is the subway and the subway fight. Mm-hmm. And I called that one, he's a headlight. Get it? Headlight. Because the head. Hit, hit the light. Light. I'm with They're you. They're not all winners, folks. <laughs> they are by, by my standards. You're a winner. <laughs> okay. So we've got five different scenes to pick from. Or, you know, if you have an outlier, that's fine, too. Cam, what's your favorite action scene? Oh, so much to choose from. Let's I just know, go. It's like, a, it's like a big action scene. <laughs> right. Any other movie has too much to choose from. Um, can I do a tie? Sure. Okay. I'm going to do a tie between messing with the cables of the elevator mixed in with actually 
trying to get people off the bus with the SWAT team encouraging them and making it worse. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, Jason. What's your favorite action scene? Cable guy, the first one. <laughs> I really like because that's the one where you get to see Jeff Daniels in action with Keanu Reeves, and I really like that. That chemistry is really good there. Now I want Jim Carrey to be like a copycat killer in this movie. <laughs> <Sending> on pause. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you, Jason. I really liked that opening scene as far as the tactical. And I love the fact they found a crane that had to hook the perfect size to hook on. <laughs> oh, let alone how the scene even begins with them. Like the first shot is their car going Lord knows how high in the air. They <laughs> was shot out of a cannon. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Is this legal weapon? Did I trip it on the wrong movie? No. <laughs> you broke the axle. Oh, I really like the opening scene. I liked it all. It's one of those movies where I might score them all about the same, just because it's, you know, it's good stuff. So oh, speaking of scoring, it's time for that, Jason. Uh, we have to score them on a one to ten while Cam thinks about which movie he thought had better action scenes as if it's a mystery. Mm. But Jason, let's go back <laughs> to the getaway. We both like the hotel shootout. One to ten. What do you got, Jason? Well, as you recall, I gave overall spectacle to this film a six. I thought the shootout scene was such a step above. I gave it an extra point and gave it a seven. As you know, I have grumpiness around this film. I still gave it a six. I thought it was a step <laughs> above uh, made for TV. I've seen better peck and paw shootouts, but it was good. And I tuned in and I perked mm-hmm. up. So like I said, from that moment on, I kind of liked the movie, but it's kind of too little too late for, for me. But moving over to speed, Jason, we both like that opening. Uh, what do you got? Like we talked about, I think they were all pretty equal. I liked the opening a little bit more, but I still gave it a seven as well. Match game. I also gave it a seven. The whole movie. Seven, seven, sevens. Everything's, it's, again, it's more about thriller than it is about action in a weird way. Because it's you think it's a heavily action movie, but it's, I really feel like it's better as a thriller. Can't complain about any of the action scenes. So... <laughs> We go to Cam to make this final wow. mysterious decision about which movie. Mm, I hate better. playing God on action scenes. We're going to go with Speed from 94. All right. As much as we've been complaining about even the train scene, the train scene is well done and that kind of edges it out. It is. It is well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Oh, man. No worries. Yeah. It's not I'm needed, but it. It, it one-ups the movie <laughs> for a movie that doesn't need it. Yeah, it just doesn't need a one up, but I got one. It's know? like a well-written paper with all this other extra credit. Well, as we've been talking through it, like the bus is such a character of the movie. It seemed to me like it deserved to be in the final scene. It seemed like it was it was a yeah. little cheating in a way to let that train get the final scene and not the bus. Fair I think point. that's what's bothering me. Fair point. Like you said, I felt like the movie should be wrapped up within about four or five minutes of the <laughs> But it, hey, it did well. It did very well. In fact, uh, that is the end of round five. That leaves the gripe round. I'm going to kill them all, sir. <laughs> the deduction round. The round for the ridiculous. The things it's we did part. not like. We looked at it and said, I do not like it, sir. And I'm going to take a point or two or up to ten points off for whatever we didn't like about either movie. What rule, what law allows us to do this, you ask? There's only our law here. Only our law in the spiked arena. So just <laughs> shut up and like it. Jared, how many points are you taking off the getaway? Here it comes. I was pretty brutal to the getaway in regular scoring, so I'm not going to take off much extra. In fact, I'm only going to give it a minus one in the deduction round. 
I'm going to do that because this movie, with all of its grossness, griminess, uncomfortableness, things I didn't like, was rated PG. <laughs> I, it just blows my mind. I mean, it came out in 72, so PG-13 didn't exist. It didn't really have a lot of nudity or F-words or anything like that. So somehow it pulled off this disgustingly grimy movie. And I, and for that, I cannot forgive it. I'm giving it a, a, a minus one. Again, for those of you out there who like it, who are fans of it, I get it. If you like that sort of grimy, gritty, you know, hardcore, okay, that's fine. It just wasn't for me. But minus one, because this does not deserve to be PG. <laughs> no, if you let your kids watch this because you're like, oh, it's PG. And they're like, no way. <laughs> Daddy, no why way. is that woman wearing a bra and throwing pork chop bones at this point? <laughs> I kind of drove that car know. off a cliff. You know, I think you're a benevolent lord in this and only taking off one point. I'm not going to take anything off. I scored everything in my scores, so nothing especially egregious for me, but I certainly understand where you're coming from. Let's move over to speed and see what kind of points you're taking off of speed, if any. All right, Jason, I'm taking one point off of speed. <laughs> I'm taking one point off of speed because, A, I know it's inconsequential at this point, and B, I just had to laugh because we talked about it. Dennis Hopper wanted $30 million, right? And then at the end, that bus crashes into that passenger plane. It blows up. And I looked up the value of that passenger plane. And it's about $400 million. So it would have been a hell of a lot cheaper to just pay this guy off. And nobody would have died. So that is why I took a point off that they destroyed way more than $30 million worth of property. Especially once they hit that airplane. I'm being silly. The the movie can take the hit. It's still going to win. But I just cracked me up when I saw that airplane go up. I was like, wait a minute. How much money did that guy ask for? They should have just paid him. Just think about all those passengers that had their lives threatened on the bus. And then the pilot on that plane was like, like, what's going on over there? (laughs) (laughs) I was worried there might be a brake man pilot in there. Because, I mean, it was being towed. But usually they put someone in there to be what's called the brake man. You know, mm-hmm. just in case it starts rolling off on its own. So I think somebody did die. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, as far as I know, they don't move planes without. Why wasn't there a pile up on that highway? So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> having driven around the Los Angeles highway oh, system, no. Well, <laughs> no, you know, you wouldn't. They would have been dead. That'd in the be first too gory for the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> they never would have made it up to fifty miles. Yeah, they would. Yeah, that's true. They probably have been fine. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, just Hopper just be like, God dang it. Okay, so since we're talking in the gripe round, I'm going to drop one more gripe. (laughs) Always bothers me in these movies, especially from the 90s, because they're like, I'm going to detonate the bomb if I see you take passengers off, whatever. It's the 90s, so everybody's using a cell phone detonator. And being a comms officer, you know, my career in the Air Force, I'm like, just turn off the cell towers then. (laughs) There's just no way he could do it. Now, you don't know for sure, but if you knew for sure that he was using that technology and not like our... I'm getting real nerdy he's here. RF fre- instead of using RF frequencies. But if he's using cell technology, just turn off the towers. The Everybody 90s. will be inconvenienced. But this was 94, so not a lot of people had the cell phone anyway. I so, didn't understand how anything worked. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to sit there and strip the wires, blah, blah, blah. Just turn off the cell towers. Dude can't do anything. But anyways, I'm being a turd. Jason, to you. <sighs> oh, Cam nailed it for me. It was that opening scene when the car just like launches... <laughs> This is where we see our heroes enter the fray. That thing was so out of control. I noticed it too. I was like, what is happening? Like, holy cow, man, they're stuck in an elevator. You don't have to just demolish your car for that. 
But sure you do. Uh, you wanted was, a raise. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was so ridiculous. Minus one. Oh, uh, plus, because I know speed can take the hit. <laughs> Cam, while Jared's doing the score, do you have any airing agreements we didn't cover? I know it makes zero difference, but again, you would think with Oklahoma City bombings around almost around the same time, if I'm not mistaken, you would have thought there'd be a manhunt out on Payne's house from the get-go, as opposed to, okay, now he's threatening to blow up a second bus after that elevator attack a month ago or a week, two weeks ago. Uh, I, I guess he's actually not kidding around. We actually got to take <laughs> I guess we got to do something. <laughs> uh, I guess we better keep our jobs or step down. Yeah, I'm just thinking the SWAT team in this is kind of like the one in T2. They're not very good, but they try. They're not the bad. They're hard, too, you know? No, no, no. Well, oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I guess, my. Ow. Ow, I wouldn't go that far, especially when that was a big game. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> to be honest, the worst SWAT team is the one in the very, very original <laughs> Die Hard, <laughs> where they're just yeah, um, going into in the car. Send in the car. Right. Anyway. I mean, it's a cool tank. They definitely needed a giant tank, but yeah. Uh, and that is the end of our official rounds. Now, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. And if you were keeping up with match game, well, we had six of them. And we matched every single time in speed, by the way, Jason, in case you didn't notice that. <laughs> Our speed scores were I did not notice that. identical. So, yeah, we had six total matches for match game. As far as sniper points went, Cam gave four of his points to speed and one. <laughs> To the giveaway. I swear I've seen the other movie. It's just <laughs> hey, you don't have to explain yourself. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Perfectly fine. I love you, all Walter right. Hill. I'm sorry. I love you too, Walter Hill. It's all good. Here we go. <laughs> and looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face Off with a score of 73 to 53. Speed. Congratulations to Speed. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. ...2006. And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Two thousand eleven, and what will those films be? Well, we're going to tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening, and we're thinking of you, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Jason Albrick on Instagram, and you can find me Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, aka Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www. TheYardSaleArtist.com. Cam, thanks for being here on this episode. Pimp yourself, sir. Where can they find you in your podcast? Jacked Up Review Show is a free-for-all. It is a variety show. We do all your favorite genres, all kinds of franchises, all kinds of cult favorite movies, shows, music, video games, books, even food. What's the best and worst pizza restaurants and burger joints? All right. They got it all. Uh, last I checked was a thorough 
and I mean thorough, retrospective on the Independence Day. I believe you did an Independence Day one <laughs> Thank you. That was too but, much fun. <laughs> I think they picked apart the science of Independence Day. It was another one where it's like, that depending little, on little your mood. Fruit, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. Depending on your mood determines the outcome. And it's funny. My host was really looking forward to it. And I'm like, I, I hope I don't hurt his feelings unintentionally. I'm going really gentle. But then he just goes, well, I like this even more back in the day. I don't know about today. <laughs> now, that's a popcorn movie, but it anyway, is a yeah, total. check out uh, check out Cam on the Jacked Up Review Show. What's the Thank Twitter you. handle for that, Cam? Jacked Up Review on Twitter. Yes. So the Twitter is at Jacked Up Review. Yes. Awesome. Yes, All right, look for him there, or check out the podcast. Mm-hmm. Speaking of checking out podcasts, be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on your finer podcatchers. You can check us out on YouTube, or you can go directly to www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We also have one specific to this show, which is at AFFOPod. And of course, you can leave us a voicemail using our voicemail line, 707-532-5269. That is 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. (laughs) Sorry. That's all right. I can use that. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep your head down. And your knuckles up. up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.